listening to the Bay Christian Family Church podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible once again to Genesis chapter 3. We have been having a look this weekend uh, of resurrection, death and resurrection of Jesus at the enhance, eliminate and expand that is built into the redemption story. Why do we need redemption? We began on Friday having a look that there was a plan of God and that plan was for man to have dominion over all of God's creation. We then saw the problem come in and that was the enemy that through deception was able to steal that, that, that kingdom from the man and man entered into death. But praise God, God already had a solution and he had prophesied right there in the garden. He told the devil, Galatians, uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And if you study out the word, you find out that what God meant there was the very thing that you will use to try and destroy that man. He will flip it around and use it to destroy you. Hallelujah. And that's the beauty and the amazing story behind the cross. Even though it's a symbol of execution, Jesus went to it gladly with joy in his heart because of you that he saw in his future. He already knew you and I would sin before God ever said, let there be light. The Bible says that Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. And he willingly went to the cross. And so God had announced this, that a man would come, not him as God. Why? Because he had handed over the authority. If you missed Friday or this morning, you have got to get those podcasts, the online, go and watch it online, however you can. Because I showed from the scripture, I don't have time to show it tonight again, that we see that Jesus had to come as a man, not as God. The Bible says in Philippians, he emptied himself of that glory, entered into the earth as a man. Why? Because man failed, man had the authority in the earth, and God had delegated that authority. And so for God to get it back, he had to make sure a man could get it back. But it had to be a sinless man. Because anyone that's pay, that sinned will have to pay for their, their sins first. And once you pay for your sin, it's, it's for eternity. If you and I died in our sins, we'd land up going to hell forever. So it had to be a perfect man. But it was hidden in a mystery. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in all things and yet without sin. Family, if you've ever faced anything, any trial, any tribulation, any sin, any burden, anything that you think, I can't take this anymore. Know this. Jesus was already there. It wasn't like he experienced something similar to you. He experienced exactly what you're going through. He knows what it feels like. He, he took it in somewhere in this in this arena, you're going to see it played out now as we continue in the scriptures. Somewhere along the line, Jesus was faced with exactly what you are faced with. And yet, without sin, he was able to resist it. He was able to destroy it. He was able to remove it. He was able to heal it. He was able to deliver it. He was able to provide for it. And it was already done. 
So in the mind of God, when Jesus did it, it was already concluded, it's done for you. Even though you're going through it now thinking, God, where are you? No, 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 no. He's right there. He said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you. And what you're experiencing, he has already experienced. And he was tempted in all things, yet without sin. And then we saw how he was baptized in Matthew chapter 3 and how the Spirit of God came upon him. And God declared, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he went out after being baptized, after the Holy Spirit came on him. He went out and was tempted by the enemy. The enemy tried to tempt him exactly the same way the first Adam was tempted. And yet he was able to say, it is written. It is written. It is written on three levels. The physical attack of food, just the same way where the first Adam fell in the realm of the flesh. Jesus resisted that. So then the devil reasoned with him. Okay, that is the case. That's in the soul realm, the mind realm. And then he went for the spirit, fall down and worship me. And Jesus was able to stand up against that. No, we're going to do this God's way. Hallelujah. Conquered the enemy on all three realms. And he had to leave at that time. The Bible says he left for a more opportune time. Why? Because he realized this guy's too quick on, his, on the scriptures. But he's been dealing with man for 4,000 years by this point. And he knows uh, maybe you know the word right now. You hot right now. You, you, you. I mean, you've just come out of the of the of being in God's presence and the anointing, and and you know you've just been baptized. You're the son of God now, and you know all these things. But I know if I wear you down long enough, I'll eventually get you to break. And that's what he did. He continuously. War on Jesus, continuously bombarded him, tried to break him down, tried to destroy him. The very first time he got up to preach, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight from the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And everybody said, Amen. And he said, Today the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. <laughs> what? No, no, no. Now they wanted to kill him. And they want to take him and throw him off a cliff. Why? Because if this is what's happening, that people are going to be set free, people are going to be delivered, we need to destroy him. The devil tried to work on him all the time. But praise God, at that baptism, something happened. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus this man, a man like you and me, a man tempted in all things, yet without sin. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. Why? For God was with him. Hallelujah. God was getting his kingdom back but it wasn't just to get it back for man what for for God it wasn't just to get it back for God what was the original plan for mankind to live in this kingdom of this creation for mankind to live in dominion dominion over everything 
dominion over the creatures. But the Bible says everything above the earth and under the earth, everything, all creeping things, everything that ever tries to come against you, you're supposed to have dominion over it. How is this possible? Because there was only one sinless man. And that sinless man paid the price. But how is he going to get that into each and every person? He has the right to receive that anointing. He has the right to live with that anointing within him. No wonder he could go around doing these amazing works that we call miracles, but he called them works. He said, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. But if I've heard my father, I can say the same thing. And you're going to see the same work happening through me. And Jesus is, is, is doing all of these amazing works. But it wasn't just meant for one man. But the problem is, the rest of mankind is still lost in sin. But praise God, the process of eliminate has begun. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19 verse 10, Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Listen to the wording. He came to seek and save that. Now, you know he's come to save man. But what's he talking about? We got to get the kingdom back. We got to get mankind back. We got to get that which was lost, that original Spoken word that God calls the blessing. That blessing, the empowerment to succeed and prosper in the things He's called you to. That blessing that enables you to do everything God's empowered you for. That Adam had lost as a result of losing the blessing, the curse had entered in. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So how was he able to do that? 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Let me ask you this. How many of us sitting in this room have sinned? Okay, drop your hand out. Now I didn't look to see who had their hands up and who didn't. If you didn't raise your hand, that would go under the heading lying, which would be a sin. Amen. So every one of us have sinned. Okay, some of you may have still been writing, so I'm not going to call you a liar just because you were making notes and you couldn't get your hand up in time. But we're very well aware, every one of us have sinned. And the word is very clear that if we've sinned, we were of the devil. See, family of God, there's no serving God or the devil or neutral. I, I, I don't believe in that religion stuff. It doesn't matter. That automatically puts you under the heading of the devil. You don't have to be openly a Satan worshiper to be of the devil. You just have to be born. If you were born, you were of the devil. That was the original. Every one of us, the first time we were ever tempted and fell, 
We died spiritually. And the word says we were of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose. For this purpose. The fact that you sinned. Now put you in you because that's me too. But I want you so that you know this is your, if you are the only person on the planet that sinned. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. What does manifested mean? Brought into visible place, visible seeing, visible living. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That Word was manifested, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Why? For what reason? That he might destroy the work of the devil. Hallelujah. Eliminate that which tried to take you down. Praise God. That's why John could say in John chapter 1, verse 29, this is John the disciple writing about John the Baptist. Two different people, but he had the same name. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, if you notice, that word is in the singular, the sin. Not just sins. See, sins, those are the actions, the things that you and I have done that contradict God's law. Those are sins. But that is fruit off of a tree called sin. Sin is that original tree that Adam bit into that, that when he contradicted God's word and took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he bought into that root of death and sin lodged into the man's spirit. And that's what man had been fighting for all these centuries. But when Jesus appeared on the scene, Jesus said, this is the one who won't just forgive sins. You see, they had to sacrifice an animal every year. They had to continuously, the Day of Atonement, make sacrifices, make sacrifices, make what? To cover the sins. But then you'd commit more sins, and then we'd cover it. It's like you keep cutting down the bush, but it keeps coming up. You cut down the bush, and it comes up again. You cut down the bush, and comes up. And now John says, here is the one who's going to take out the root. Hallelujah. Say, praise God. Jesus did away with sin itself. Galatians 3 verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Remember, God spoke in the garden. Now you are cursed. That was a result of that sin. But now, yeah, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. What is that? The cross. Why? That the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Not only has Jesus eliminated sin, He's eliminated the curse. He became the curse. I said he became the curse. 
Everything that could ever be spoken against you. I don't care what witch doctor, what Sangoma, what any, well, I don't care what doodad, who the world, the wali on, the winner. I don't care what anybody has said about you, what tarot cards, tea leaves, whatever. When anything, whatever was stupid was said by a teacher or, or something, some person, no matter what someone has said, they can look you in the face, spitting you in the eyeballs, cursing you. That curse was taken by Jesus on the cross. You are standing there with the blood of Jesus absorbing every bit of that curse. It will not touch you. That's why that thing tries to invade your house, tries to get you to think it's in your body, tries to get you to think that something's wrong. It's in the walls. Something's happening in the bed. Something's happening. You need to stand and say, uh-uh, not in this house. No, you do not belong here. My Jesus took this exact thing. Get out my house. Who, don't be like the first Adam and go, okay, and just eat it. No, get rid of it. It amazes me how some Christians are. Come and tell me their stories. It's like me, you know, coming to your house and, and it's your daughter's birthday. I said, I brought you a nice gift. And you open the box and there's, there's a cobra in there. Are you going to say, oh, thank you. That's so special. What do you say? Ah, that's not coming in this house. Isn't that right? You take it back. I don't need that kind of present. The same way you would cease, if you saw a snake slithering in your house, man, you'd do everything you can to get it out. You'd say, well, maybe on Tuesday. You are either stomping that thing yourself or you phoning someone, but someone, that thing's leaving the house today. You're not going to sleep till it's out the house. Isn't that right? Family, we need to get that way in the realm of the Spirit. When the enemy shows up, don't put up with him one more day. You slam down your foot, you lift up your voice, and you declare the blood of Jesus paid the price for this. I refuse this in my house. Get out my body. Get out my business. Get out my ministry. Get out my children. Get out of my family. Get out of my church. Get out of my life. Jesus paid for that. He eliminated it. You eliminate the enemy. Hallelujah. Say, I'm blessed. Romans chapter 4, verse 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. He's talking about. Abraham, who God declared that he would bless him and bless others through him. Bless him to be a blessing. Through you, many nations will be blessed. And gave him a promise of a son, of an offspring, of an heir. And even though his body was dead and his wife's body was dead, he believed God. That if God said it, he's well able to do what he has spoken. God said it, now yeah, believe it. And he spoke that word against contradicting circumstances. And he saw the promise come to pass. Yeah, Paul saying that wasn't just for Abraham's sake that that happened. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us, for us, for us. Can all of us put our hand up? 
Bump your name and say, that's you. Right there. For us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in Him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Family, the resurrection is the critical part of the ministry. There are people that will get stuck at the cross. And I need to say this, and you know how important that cross is. You know how important that is. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was finished. But it wasn't just the death on the cross because hundreds of people were dying on the cross, thousands. That was the method of execution in that day. And not one of them could pay for the sin. It took a man. And even when he had the sin put into him and he became the curse, the Bible says he was afflicted and smitten. And we thought, according to Isaiah, that it was God killing him because of what he was saying. But he wasn't. He was afflicted for your sin, for your sickness, for your disease, for your transgression, for our sin. He paid the price. And if he had died there, Jesus said, it is finished. But even when they were arguing about whether there's a resurrection or not, Paul said, come on. Isn't the whole gospel founded in the fact that he was raised? It wasn't just in the death. The resurrection was a critical part. What was so critical? Why was it necessary that someone didn't just die for your sin? Why was it important for him to be raised? Why is Resurrection Sunday so important? Verse 25, he was delivered up because of our offenses, our sin, put him on the cross. We don't blame the Romans. We don't blame the Jews that said, crucify him, crucify him. It was your and my sin. It was just as good as if we were that day. Our own son put him on that cross. He was delivered up because of our offenses. But listen to this. Three days later, he was raised because of our justification. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus praise. Family, if Jesus had not, if it was not possible to pay for that sin, remember, not just sins, the root, the very root sin. If you can think of all the sins of mankind that ever existed in one package, sin. That's what Jesus was paying for. If it was not paid in full, he'd still be stuck in hell. Because it has to be paid for. But what the devil didn't count on. He sent an innocent man to die. That was the mystery. Because in his sinless state. Taking on sin. God was able to punish the sin. But release the man. 
because the man was innocent. And God spoke, thy throne, O God. See, God never forgot. Even though he came as a man, he's still God. And you do not hold God. You do not hold him captive. You do not leave his soul in hell. And he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the Holy Spirit was released and entered into the bowels of the earth and raised Christ back to life. Proving sin had been done with. Totally paid for. And the very fact that Jesus walked out the grave, you can take every man that ever dared to call himself a God, dared to be a prophet of a God, dared to be called an incarnation of God. Their graves are still with us. Their bones are still in that grave. But there is an empty tomb. There is an empty tomb. There is an empty tomb. And a living Christ walked out of that tomb that day. And the fact that he walked out means sin was left in the grave, paid for in full. And God called that justification. That word may be a big word for someone who's not used to what the word means. One of the easiest ways to try and remember it. Let's turn it into a sentence. Justified. You are justified. Justified never sinned. God looks at you, justified never sinned. He looks at me, justified. Say that God looks at me, justified never sinned. I know many of us have heard that before. Maybe that's why we're not so excited. But if you know what I've been through, if I know what God's done in my life, I, I look back and I think, who was that? Who, how could you? What were you thinking? And, and then, then God looks at you and sees someone who's never sinned. It's not like God says, okay, I know you've sinned, but I love you too much. So, you know, I'll always have to remember, you know, uh, okay, I'll have to keep looking over that. Uh, no, no, that's what's the problem with the blood of the animals. It, it just covered the sin. But, it, you know, if there was a mark here on the carpet and people were coming and our staff said, we can't clean it quick enough. Well, then we put a rug down there. And then you wonder why is the rug there, but you don't realize it's still dirty underneath. Are you with me? And so God would see the blood, but he's very aware the sin was still there. But when his son came, they got the best detergent. If you think of the blood of Jesus and you remove the carpet and you clean that spot till eventually it's gone and you get the best CSI agent in you and they do chemical analysis and they say there was nothing ever on this carpet. So now when I look at it, I don't see a carpet with a stain or a spot or there was something. No, the, the, the agent, the, 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 the expert says there was nothing ever there. So I might have, you know, maybe there was, maybe there wasn't, but it's not there now. I'm looking at something that's cleaned as if though it never, ever existed. When God looks on you, He looks through that blood of Jesus that removed even the foundation, the root of sin, totally took it out of your life. So when He looks at you, He's looking at someone who has never sinned. Oh, come on, give Jesus praise. 
Yeah, but what if I do something wrong now? 1 John 1 9. If you do sin, confess it. Just, just, just let it go. And what happens? God is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse of all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness has no place in your life. Why? You've been made the righteousness of God. Come on, give Jesus praise if you got a hold of that. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. He made him who knew no sin. Who's that? This man that never sinned, even though he's tempted in all things. But he made him to be sin. See, he never committed any sins. But he was made the nature of sin. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not just become righteous, become the righteousness of God. Now let me ask you, how righteous is God? Could God be any more righteous? Do you think He's working on His righteousness? How many believe God's as righteous as He's ever going to be? Why? Because there's only righteous. And Jesus in the great exchange took what was sin in you, he took it in himself and gave you his righteousness. Not a copy, not a part of, the righteousness of God. How many believe God is as righteous as he's ever going to be? Keep that hand up. Say, God is as righteous as he's ever going to be. And by his grace, as I am in Christ, He's made me the same righteousness. Therefore, I am as righteous as God. <laughs> you were right up with me to that last sentence. I'm as righteous as... See, our, our natural minds, that dead religion... Tries to tell us how can that be? That's the whole point. What's impossible for man is possible for God. Are you in Him? Let me see your hand. Say, I'm in Him. Therefore, He made me. So it's not what you do. He made me. Say, He made me the same righteousness as God. Remember John 12, 23, Jesus said, The hour is coming that the Son of Man shall be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it shall expand. It'll produce much grain. He was talking here about His death and resurrection. He did it for a reason. He didn't need the earth. He rules all of creation, all of heaven, all of the spirit realm. But he put this earth in man's hands. Man lost it. A man had to get it back. But the reason he got it back is he wants it back in the hands of man. Luke chapter 24, verse 46. Jesus said to them, it's written that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. 
Why? That repentance and remission of sin. See, remission is that removal. Atonement is covering. Remission is that cleaning where you don't find a trace. The repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witness of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. What's he telling them? Acts 10.38, how God had anointed Jesus, the man, with the Holy Spirit and with power. I have set it up by eliminating the sin, the curse, anything that prevented that anointing from entering into your heart. I've made you the very righteousness of God. Now I can send that same power to you. I'm ready to expand my kingdom. Hallelujah. Matthew 28 verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus got it back. Hallelujah. Say, Jesus got back the authority that was given to the first Adam. He could have put a full stop there and said, see you later. But notice verse 19. Go therefore. Go therefore. What's he doing? He's passing that authority back. I got it back as a man. I'm going to go back to being God. But I'm leaving the authority with you. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. What happened when Jesus was baptized? The Holy Spirit came upon Him and teaching them to observe how many? All things that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Family, God is expanding His kingdom. We are not just saved to get to heaven. We're not just saved so we can get a ticket that gets us out of hell. And now we don't have any sin, so I have a right to go to heaven. No, Jesus said, I have, re I have released you from every bondage that could ever hold you. And that frees you up to go and tell others. How many you thank God Jesus saved your son? Saved you from sin? How many you glad Jesus saved you from sin? Go tell others. Go tell others. Go, I don't keep this to myself. I have to go and do it. And maybe someone says, yeah, but I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous. But hang on. How God anointed Jesus, the man, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Yeah, but there was Jesus. No, no. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, Jesus doesn't expect you to do it in your own ability. 
Maybe I was introvert. Maybe I was nervous to talk to people. Maybe I didn't know how to do these things. If someone knew Alan B.C., I tell you, you would not think he would be up here preaching the gospel. But thank God that man died. And everything he did to stop himself from getting into the kingdom, God still loved him enough to send his Holy Spirit and get him saved. Jesus paid the price for my sin. He paid the price for your sin. Every stupid decision I ever made, everything that ever hurt me, anything the curse could possibly bring against me, Jesus bore it all. And all he needed was for me to say, thank you. I believe you. You're my God. You are my Lord. And the moment you do that, the same Holy Spirit that came on Jesus enters into you. And God says, behold, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And a power comes upon you. Not your power, his power. An enhanced man. Hallelujah. Sin and the curse has been eliminated out of your life. Now it's time to expand. Hallelujah. Are you ready to honor Jesus this Resurrection Sunday? Then go tell others and bring them to the house of God. Come on, let's give Jesus praise for His Word. Let's stand together. Say this, I have been empowered. No matter what sin comes my way, it has been eliminated. The temptation has been eliminated. The curse has been eliminated. The power that sin had has been eliminated. And I'm able to stare that thing down in the power of God. And in the name of Jesus, resist it and it'll flee. No matter what comes my way, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, anything to do with a curse that try to come into my life. That bondage is broken in the name of Jesus. I command the enemy, get out of my life. Leave my body. Leave my ministry, leave my household, leave my business, leave my finances. And I am filled with the power of God. And God gives me boldness by His power to lead others to Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to make disciples in His name. I serve. A resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. Say this, Jesus is alive. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. See, family, there a boldness comes on you. You're not dealing with some dead religion or some idol that you don't know whether it will or won't and some lucky charm and no, no, no. This is a living God who died for purpose, rose from the dead with an intention. He came to destroy the work of the enemy. Was he successful? It is finished. It's done. 
And we have the right to speak that. Hallelujah. Thank God. He's enhanced us. Eliminated what's stopping us. So that we can expand. Praise God.